Hey, Stats and Stories listeners, don't forget to get your vote in by the end of the month for our 300th episode data visualization contest. Now, last month, I was lucky to attend the 64th World Statistics Congress hosted by the International Statistical Institute in Ottawa, Canada. While I was there, I was able to talk to a number of amazing statisticians, data scientists, and journalists for the show. First of whom was former TV journalist turned science communicator, Tim Makuga. Makuga helps researchers at the QUT Center for Data Science and Australian Data Science Network tell their stories. Let's start that now. And don't forget, once again, to vote on our 300th episode contest at statsandstories.net slash voting. It is my pleasure to be at the International Statistical Institute World Statistics Congress, and I'm joined by Tim McHugh, Senior Project Officer for the Center for Data Science, Queensland University of Teaching in Brisbane, Australia. But previously, he was the executive news producer for Fox TV Phoenix, an affiliate of the network. Uh, Tim, thank you so much for taking the time to chat. Thank you, John. It's good to see you again. It is. It's a distinct pleasure. I mean, it's so fun to be able to see three-dimensional images after only experiencing two for the four years or so. So, so help, help a sort of a general listener understand, what does a news producer do? Okay, so the news producer is in charge of determining what stories go in a newscast, in what format they're going to go in a newscast, what reporters, what the reporters are going to do on an individual day, what stories they're going to work on. So uh, essentially we look at all the stories and decide that story's worth a reporter, maybe that one's not. And then we work with the reporters throughout the day and make sure the story is what we thought it is or if it isn't, what is it now? Is it still a story? So we're having conversations throughout the day. But essentially the producer is in charge of then laying out that whole newscast, make sure it times out, and then executing that newscast, make sure, making sure the everything gets written. So the producer does a good chunk of the writing as well. And so as executive producer, I oversaw a team of producers as well as reporters, so I would work with them as well. So it was a, a full-on day. I often dealt with multiple newscasts and multiple producers. Okay, so, th so this was, was uh, you had a time slot on television that you were targeting here. So that's unforgiving in terms of timing. It I mean is so unforgiving, John. It, in fact, I still have dreams where... I'm doing the 5 o'clock news, and it's 4 o'clock, and I haven't started it. <laughs> so it's still, I've been out of TV news now for uh, nine years now, but I did it for almost 30 years. So it's it's still very much ingrained in me, and it is very much time-driven. And, and uh, I'm having to get used to working in the academia where meetings don't quite start on time and things like that. So it's it's been a real culture shift for me. Yeah, the one thing that we found with with being able to do podcasts, you know, you you've got a little bit of ooze, uh, you know, you don't have to to you know stop on the dime, you know, at at five thirty and go to something else. So it's yeah, so that 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 that's a really interesting question about telling a story with constraint. So w were there certain certain things that you did to tell a story, given some of the constraints of time that you encountered? Well, you you really have to focus on what's the most important thing the story because in TV uh, oftentimes our reporters had a minute 10 to a minute 30 to tell a story and and so they're coming back with obviously videotape that's five six ten times as much and they have to edit that down so you really it's a real art to 
pick out what is interesting and important and make sure you get that right off the top. And that's, uh, that's one of the messages when I try to work with researchers that you got to get to the get to this you, point you anticipated my yeah. next question you know I'm, I, I was trying to think about how many of my colleagues could get to the point you know get to a minute and ten second point I mean that, that can be hard because we all want to say well but on the other hand and and you know these are some of the constraints or assumptions that I'm making to do this so so when when you're when a researcher comes to you and says uh, you know hey we want to push this out as a press release or talk about the research that we're doing in a way that's broadly accessible what are some of the ways that you help them focus down to that minute 10, minute 30? There's two things. You, you want to determine what's the most important thing, but you also want to determine is there some conflict involved. So, so what is the but? We know this and we know this, but we don't know this or but this is going on, and therefore my research is going to do this. So it's called the and but therefore method. I'm not the first. I certainly didn't create it. It was created years ago. But I do try to show people how to do that. And so it's really important that we tell people what we know. But there's a problem here. And that's why my research is important. So I want it's important not to tell them just not what's important, but also what you know, what, what got us here? What is the problem, the conflict that we're trying to resolve? Yeah, why should you care? Why, 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 should, you, why should your attention among the, the host of things that are out there, why should you pay attention to this? It's how they do movie trailers, you know. Mm -hmm. it's the, if you think about it, you know, in a world, <laughs> and then they, they bring up some conflict. So it's, it all comes down to you, you have to provide a narrative. You have to give... You want to draw people in with, with a story. You just can't give them the facts. And, and it, it's a big thing about science communication is that if you're going to, you have to meet the audience where they are. And the audience wants a good story. They're more, they don't necessarily want just the facts. Yeah, so, so if you were going to advise people helping you know, statisticians, data scientists, the general scientific community, if you had sort of one piece of advice to launch them on on better communication of what they do, what might that be? Do it, and do it as much as you can. And do interviews, do whatever you can. What you need to do is get your message out there and then start honing it, because you're never going to get it right out of the gate. So communication is really an art. And if you don't practice it, when the time comes when you it's time to do it, you're not going to be ready. So my advice is just start doing it figure out what works for you, find your voice, and, and just go from there. And then there, there are a lot of good people like you and others out there who are doing good science communication who can then say, hey, why don't you try this? But it, unless you start on that journey, it, it's not going to work. So that really is my message. Oh, that's, that's great advice. I mean, no one would expect to, to be able to do modeling after just encountering one model. They don't necessarily understand how things work until they do it. So why would you expect communication to be easier? And it's, it's real important, I believe, that you have that. I think statisticians and data science are learning a lot of good technical skills, but they're not learning the communication skills. And that's, it's so important that if you can't tell your science, talk about your science, and tell people why it's important and why it matters, then 
almost why are you doing it? Uh, so I, I just, I wish the science community overall would kind of ingrain the communication as somehow part of this process when, when we're educating PhD students or any students. Yeah, I, I, that is a, a, a great point. I mean, I think in, in terms of outcomes, effective communication of the work that you do is one that we should expect, uh, prepare people to succeed in, and help evaluate as people start doing this. So, it, you know, you sp you're speaking to me, I, I, I think I'm starting to figure out this podcasting thing after about 300. Yes. <laughs> no, it, it's every time, every time, you know, I'm the same way. I didn't interview people. You know, I was behind the scenes in the TV station. So interviewing people is a new skill for me. So like you said, with each podcast, I feel like I get a little bit more comfortable doing it. But getting back to the getting down that road, there, even now with social media and, and, and things like that, there are so many opportunities for you to be able to get your message out on your own without having to rely on anyone else. And that's, that's another thing I, I encourage people to do. I know social media is not everyone's thing, but if it's done right and effectively, you can build yourself a nice audience and so that when you do publish that paper, you have an audience there to tell you. Thank you for taking this time. This has been great. Stats and Stories is a partnership between Miami University's Departments of Statistics and Media Journalism and Film and the American Statistical Association. You can follow us on Twitter, Apple Podcasts, or other places where you can find podcasts. If you'd like to share your thoughts on our program, send your email to statsandstories at miamioh.edu or check us out at statsandstories.net. And be sure to listen for future editions of Stats and Stories where we discuss the statistics behind the stories and the stories behind the statistics.